Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. You're listening to Bloomberg UK Politics. I'm Ewan Potts. I'm Lizzie Burden. And I'm Tom McKenzie. To misquote Oscar Wilde, to lose one cabinet minister might be unfortunate. To lose two is careless. To lose three since October, well, maybe that's a pattern. The Deputy Prime Minister, Dominic Raab, has resigned after an independent investigation criticises treatment of civil servants. In a letter to Rishi Sunak that he then posted on Twitter, Raab said, quote, I feel duty-bound to accept the outcome of the inquiry, adding its two adverse findings are flawed and set a dangerous precedent for the conduct of good government. But the tone was clearly reluctant, and let's not forget, until now, he's been saying that the allegations were totally unfounded. I'm confident I behave professionally throughout. I uh, will thoroughly rebut and refute any of the claims that have been made. I've behaved professionally at all times. The loss of his number two is a major blow to Sunak, who sought to present his government as a departure from the Boris Johnson era defined by political scandals that distracted from the day-to-day running of the country. He promised to run an administration founded on the principles of integrity and accountability. Well, let's discuss this with Alex Morales, who's an editor on our UK politics team. Alex, thanks for joining us on the show today. Now, Rob said he would go uh, in this event, but he's not going without complaints, is he? He's not exactly going quietly. No, certainly. I mean, if you if you read through the, the letter that he posted on Twitter today announcing his resignation, um, it sort of concludes with a, with a with concerns about the way the the inquiry into him was conducted and about what he calls systemic leaking of skewed and fabricated claims to the media in breach of the rules of the inquiry. Um, and, he, and he says, I hope these will be independently reviewed. So it sounds like he's trying to bring down a swathe of the civil service with him. And Rob's always been loyal to Rishi Sunak, even over the summer. I remember when it was clear that Rishi Sunak was going to lose to Liz Truss, Rob was standing by Rishi Sunak. But this is the third minister, uh, a minister who attends cabinet, I should say, um, who, of Rishi Sunak's he's lost since October how much of a blow is it well, I, I, Rob is probably of the three of the three ministers who've gone now. Rob is probably the biggest blow to Rishi Sunak. Um, you know, he's obviously he's his deputy prime minister. He helped run his leadership campaign over the over the summer last year, and he's been a key ally um, to the premier. So, you know, he's also seen in government as a hardworking minister. So, for Sunak, it'll be a major blow to have to get uh, get rid of his ally. Or, I mean, Rob has resigned, but one assumes there was a, an a sort of discussion between the two um, regarding his course of action. Um, so, yes, um, it, it's a blow to Sunak. But Alex, it. I mean, on that point, was he pushed or did he jump? Well, we don't... It's not yet clear. Um, I would imagine there was an element of pushing um, in it, given that Rob's, Rob's allies yesterday were saying that he was bullish about the report um, and that he was confident that it hadn't found him guilty of anything. And that he sounds pretty bitter in the letter. And he sounds bitter in the letter, exactly. So it, it sounds like a conversation was had between the Prime Minister and, and Rob and that the easier Rob has made Rishi Sunak's life easier by resigning rather than forcing... Sunak to um, sack him. But wouldn't it have looked better for Rishi Sunak to actually push him to show that he can, he's capable of putting his foot down when there's um, disorder like this? Well, I mean, you could argue from one point 
point of view, it would have looked better, especially when you consider his pledges that Tom mentioned earlier about him him pledging to lead a government of integrity and accountability. But on the other hand, there's a large swathe of Tories who feel that Sunak should have stood up to what they call the blob of the civil service and not and not sacked a key minister because of a few complaints from from civil servants. So whichever decision Sunak had had taken, it would have been difficult. And it's probably easier for him that Rob has resigned. Labour's attack is that uh, Rishi Sunak is, is, is weak on a number of things. Do you think this will play into that or do you think people will, will forgive him for, you know, t- two days of delay over a, a, you know, a rather big report? I think, I think certainly Labour will carry on using that line of attack and they'll say that Sunak should have, should have sacked Raab on the spot as soon as he'd read the conclusions of the report. But, you know, as it is, we've yet to see the report ourselves. Uh, it hasn't been published yet. The government says it will publish it. Um, so we haven't even seen Sunak's response. So we don't know what discussions were taking place. We don't know how damning the report is. Um, so, you know, clearly it's going to offer Labour a, a continuing line of attack against the government. But until we've seen the report, it, it's hard to know what. Alex, is it an electoral uh, deficit, an electoral vulnerability? I mean, there is a temptation for those of us who read the political tea leaves to draw this out and conclude that the British public are going to be all that concerned about this. And maybe they just won't. I suspect what we'll see is that those who were already convinced that they didn't like the Tory government, it'll it'll add to <laughs> add to their um, feelings, and those who are supportive of it will it won't make it much difference to how they vote. Yeah, but the undecideds are who they're after. Yes, I mean obviously there are always a few undecideds. Um, what, how closely they look at the mechanics of government a year a year or more before the election is for you know. I somehow doubt it's going to affect their, the vote they cast next year. Now, forgive me, just thinking about Dominic Raab's prospects, I wonder whether his political career is in the dust here. Do you think there's any chance he might not stand for re-election uh, before the general election next year? Um, it's, I mean, he's still, he's still a fairly young minister, uh, still a fairly young politician um, in, in the scheme of things. He's got a, he's got a narrow majority in a, in a constituency that the Liberal Democrats are targeting heavily. heavily. But he was, he was um, touted as a, as a strong contender to lose a seat at the last election, and he didn't. So he's, he's clearly a fighter. Um, I wouldn't rule him out. I wouldn't rule him out from standing at the next election. And, you know, ministers have come back from worse. Yeah, he should, he should Walton in, in, in Surrey, isn't it? And it, it, as you say, it is, it is pretty marginal against the, the Lib Dems uh, seat, which I think voted Remain as well. Is this um, uh, is this an isolated case? Of course, we had the, the pretty Patel allegations a while ago as well. How how widespread is this is this in government? Well, certainly, I mean, you know, my colleagues who who, who speak to MPs and officials all the time um, would say that there's a feeling in the civil service that tensions have, have got much, much greater between um, officials and ministers in recent years. And part of that's down to Brexit. Um, you, you know, you have ministers frequently uh, railing against the blob of the civil civil service. Um, so certainly tensions have risen. How widespread bullying is, I mean, we've seen it with Rob, we've seen it with Patel. Um, Williamson also departed under that sort of cloud. Um, Alex, do do we know who's going to replace uh, Dominic Raab as deputy PM? Who's who's in the running? We don't we don't know yet. There's all sorts of speculation. Um, Go on, give us your runners and riders. Yeah, Su- Sunak has a team that's sort of low on women, so uh, 
it seems probable he'll bring in a woman to fill the role. But he, but don't forget that two roles have opened up. So Deputy Prime Minister and Justice Secretary, he doesn't need to keep them together. Um, so he could appoint two people. Um, but, you know, names in, in the fold include, you know, women like Victoria Atkins, um, Lucy Fraser, uh, Victoria Prentice, I think. There's a range of women who could do the job. I mean, you've already got backlogs in the court, so I wonder how much a change of the Justice Secretary is going to have an impact on that. Well, certainly it doesn't help to have a continual cycle of new ministers, new ministers, new ministers, because it takes them a while to get their feet under the desk. Um, and and obviously that's time they're not, they're not spending on solving the problems in their actual department. Um, and especially after the turmoil of recent years where we've had a, a con continual cycle of ministers in different departments, um, it's very difficult to get stuff done when the minister in charge is constantly changing. Is this particular to the Tories? I, I, I know uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg Rees attacked, uh, you know, s snowflake civil servants, or is this, is this the, uh, the, the normal cut and thrust between uh, ministers and civil servants? Because there were tensions under the last Labour government as well, weren't there? Yeah, and there if Angela Rayner calls people scum in PMQs, what does she say behind the closed doors? There are always tensions between ministers and civil servants, um, because obviously ministers come in with a political agenda, they've got stuff they want to deliver, and civil servants aren't always receptive to that. Um, but also civil servants who've, who've been working in departments know the issues around their departments um, in greater depth often than the ministers. So they, they also have sort of valid input into the making of policy. OK, Alex Morales, an editor, of course, on our UK politics team on an important day, another important day for UK politics, with, of course, the resignation of Dominic Raab, the Deputy Prime Minister. Alex, thank you very much indeed. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Joining us now is Amy Leversidge, the Assistant General Secretary at the FDA Trade Union. They represent managers within the civil service. Amy, thanks so much for carving out the time to be with us this afternoon. I know that you're at Heathrow Airport. You're on your way to Glasgow. Did you expect the Deputy Prime Minister to quit today? Um, well, obviously, uh, yesterday we were kind of left in um, a kind of no man's land. and We didn't know what was going on after the, the Prime Minister um, had announced that he was going to make a decision and then um, announced that he was going to delay. We really didn't know what was uh, what was happening. Um, I mean, I think uh, uh, today we have really, and yesterday, it's really shown up what a farcical system that we've got. Um, and what we need is an independent process for dealing with uh, complaints against ministers, just like we have in Scottish Government, just like we have in Parliament. Um, we can't continue like this. This process works for nobody. Were any of your members um, victims of this bullying? Uh, so we have represented um, uh, members um, in these um, in in some of the complaints um, against uh, the deputy prime minister. Um, but you know, our experience is actually that more often than not, um, civil servants don't put their complaints in. We did a survey of our senior civil servants um, at the beginning of the year, and we found that one in six had um, witnessed unacceptable behaviours by a minister in the last year alone. 
And most of them didn't have any confidence, or nearly 70% didn't have any confidence that complaints would be dealt with fairly. So they just don't bother putting in complaints. Um, they would rather move department or leave the civil service ent- entirely rather than go through this farcical process as we've seen so um, Amy, as, as we've seen it play out. Yeah, Amy, so to be clear, do you think this is the tip of the iceberg then? Oh, yeah. I mean, we've been clear. This is There's... Um, you know, with one in six of our um, of our senior civil servants witnessing unacceptable behaviours, that stands across a number of different departments. This is more than just one or two bad apples. Um, these these behaviours becoming more and more widespread, and I believe that we're seeing um, behaviours that are similar to, to what we saw in Parliament, um, which was. Um, we had an inquiry into the behaviours in Parliament conducted by Dame Laura Cox, and she actually gave, she articulated this really well, and she said that because bullying wasn't being dealt with, it was being tolerated, um, it was able to thrive because the behaviours were consequence-free. And I think this is what we're seeing across Whitehall and why these behaviours are becoming so um, so common is because, you know, particularly after... Uh, the uh, former Prime Minister Boris Johnson's decision about Priti Patel and keeping her even after an upheld complaint against bullying, it kind of created a situation where it's a bit of a free-for-all um, and ministers um, can see no consequences um, for, their, for their actions. Amy, has, has bullying got worse? Has bullying got worse or is this just a change in standards? Is, is, it, is it ministers not coming into the, the modern age? Um, I think that it's, like I say, I think that these behaviours have been allowed to thrive because there's no consequences of it. So in that sense, I think it is getting worse. I think that um, senior civil servants, those that work in private office, the people who work most closely with ministers, uh, are sometimes actually a bit too tolerant of bad behaviours. I think that they um, uh, they really do understand the world of politics. They're really tough cookies. Uh, the people who, who work in private office, you know, uh, yeah. they don't suffer fools gladly. And, um, you know, they really understand the yeah. pressures that ministers are under. Yeah, you say that they're tough cookies, but I wonder what's the psychological damage of bullying like this? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. that um, We we have members that tell us that they work with ministers who are, who are actually, you know, really good and fantastic and really respectful. And then obviously we've got, we've got situations like we've seen in the Ministry of Justice, and this has a profound impact on people. Um, and we've dealt with this across... Whitehall departments across Parliament, um, and it really does does have a lasting damage on people. Um, it's you know we've we've seen people, it, particularly I think of members that I that I spoke to in Parliament who ended up having no choice but to leave because they couldn't bear to stay, and because of this really um, the the power imbalance that we've got and the use of the media. So today, you know, we've seen Dominic Raab's resignation letter. And before the report's been published, before um, mm. the complainants have had a chance to um, to even read or digest the report, um, he's he's rehearsing, he's replaying his arguments that he's already had an opportunity to um, to give to Adam Tolley that has been that has been investigated and a, a judgment found against him. He's using the media to retry this, and civil servants have got no opportunity yeah. to um, to 
you know, say that back. They okay. can't do that through the media. Amy, I, I, I guess Dominic Raab would say, look, this he's been the focus of this speculation and this scrutiny over the last few months, and it is his right to put out his side of the story at this particular time. You talk about the lack of consequences. There has been a consequence. He's resigned. There is the consequence. Why do we need more? Why do we need an independent survey after we've had this independent research or investigation into Dominic, and he's he has now resigned? Um, well, he he's chosen to resign. Um, obviously, the, the prime minister um, uh, didn't uh, didn't dismiss him. He he um, has resigned. So, um, I, I guess that is um, a consequence. But we have seen this is not talking at year zero, and like I say, he's not the only one. Um, what we need, I don't think this process works for anyone, and I think that's pretty much what um, what Dominic Raab has been saying in his letter too. I don't think it works for politicians just in the same way it doesn't work for civil servants. We need to have an independent process um, that can, can talk these matters out and they don't get played out through the media and they don't, um, uh, you know, people don't go away from them feeling like they haven't been heard. Amy, Dominic Robb says that this will encourage spurious complaints against ministers. Surely there is a place for robustness in conversations with ministers. I mean, absolutely. But, um, I mean, it's a, it's a really odd statement to make, considering he that those complaints have been upheld. Obviously, we haven't seen all of the report yet. And, and you know, we're commenting on his, his comments. But um, he's almost making the argument that there are some levels of bullying that should be tolerated. And the ministerial code is clear. No bullying will be tolerated. And you can have those robust conversations but there is a line that you don't cross. And as I say, we have ministers that our members speak so highly of, and they are robust, and they do get results, but they do that in a way that is productive and constructive by building good relationships. And that's what good leaders do. What are we hearing, Amy? I just want to get your views now. Like switch focus to what's happening across industrial action. We've had a reminder in the data out of the UK of the impact of industrial action just in a single month. Uh, hundreds of thousands of lost work days and, of course, the impact on, on this economy. Um, are we? How much more industrial action are we expecting from your members, from other unions? Are we getting to the end of this now? Well, no, it's, it's just the beginning for FDA. Um, our executive committee on Wednesday of this week made the decision that we would launch um, a ballot for industrial action um, following uh, last week where the government just walked out of um, uh, pay negotiations uh, with us and they've um, treated the uh, civil service worse again than every other public sector to work at and you know we've got to the point where this is you know this what happened uh, last week with pay um, is a straw that broke the camel's back for our members they are consistently treated the worst of all public sector workers um, and that just cannot be right so you know this is the first time in 40 years that we have uh, that we've said that we will ballot our members um, uh, you know across the board on pay this is a significant moment for the FDA because we, we, we really don't do this. And um, I think Dave Penman, our General Secretary, summed it up really well by saying, you know, we're a pragmatic union. It's, you know, we, we try to seek deals in the room. We try to influence. We try to negotiate. We're not afraid to push back. But we're not afraid to do a deal either. Um, but what we've got here is the government of just walking away. So this is just the beginning for FDA um, in terms of our... Um, starting with mm. industrial action. 
Well, what are your precise demands on pay then? Well, what we want to see is the civil service treated comparably to the rest of uh, of the public sector. And, you know, it's they're always at the bottom of the pile. Um, and what we want is proper engagement with us. We want um, for, you know... We, in any negotiation, you're not going to get everything that you want, but we want to be listened to. Um, you know, the um, civil service does a, a whole a people survey across the board um, uh, every year. It's, a, it's quite a big um, a big thing, and they um, it was quite um, a, a big result um, in terms of people's dissatisfaction with pay. It massively dropped, and um, you know, we got all these um, warm words. Uh, from the cabinet office saying that they they heard what civil servants were saying that they were dissatisfied with their pay and they wanted to talk to the trade unions and then they've they've had a few meetings where nothing meaningful um, has really been discussed they haven't listened to us and they've yet again treated the civil service worse than any other public sector worker and, and you know we can't continue um, we can't continue like that. And what does that mean in terms of, of pay? Nurses, Some nurses have accepted a 5% pay rise with a cash payment for last year as well. Would that be acceptable to you? Um, well, we've um, been offered, um, as part of the, the, the pay remit process, there was, was nothing in there for, for last year, anything to address, no cash payment to address the cost of living. Um, and it was a 4.5% the lowest um, offer um, out of all of the public sector workers. Um, and I, th- I think if we'd been offered something comparable to the NHS, then, of course, we would we would be in the position that we are now. Amy, I just want to come back to Dominic Graab because Keir Starmer uh, has been speaking the opposition Labour leader. He says, he's pointed out that we're yet to get a statement from Rishi Sunak in the wake of Dominic Graab's resignation. What does the, that say to you about the Prime Minister? And the Prime Minister um, really needs to, to come out and... and we can, you know, the, the report needs to be published. We need to be able to see that. We need to be able to see what Rishi Sunak's decision is on that. It's not enough that um, Dominic Raab has just resigned. We're still waiting for what the Prime Minister's decision um, is, his determination um, on these complaints. Um, but he needs to remember that he's also the Minister for the Civil Service. And he's, yes, he's got to be fair to his cabinet and his ministers, but he's also got to be fair to um, the civil service and the civil servants that are involved in this um, in this complaint, and there's balance. Um, there's a balance to be to be struck there. So we need to hear from him. I mean, you work closely with other unions as well. Do you think that these problems are unique to the civil service, or do you hear the same from other unions about management? Well, what's unique in this situation is that you know if you've got um, complaints against other employees you have processes in which you can deal with that and as employees um, you are subject to um, in, uh, the your employment contract and all of those sorts of things you can be dismissed from your employment where it's different with ministers is that they're not employees they're appointed by the prime minister um, and that means that they've got a different um, set of rules governing them and they're not subject to the same, um, you know, disciplinary processes that any other employee in that workplace would be subject to. Um, so it's completely different rules, which is why we want this independent, um, uh, an independent system to make those decisions. So then they're fair and they're objective and they're based on the evidence rather than being based on politics. 
Amy, plenty of people in the public sector have complained about morale at the moment. We've had uh, a decade of uh, low growth in public spending. W- where do you put civil servants in that? Uh, how do you compare with, say, teachers or doctors? Um, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to make a compa- comparison with teachers or doctors because I think every um, every public sector worker is really um, suffering bad morale um, at the moment. What I can tell you is that turnover now in the civil service is the highest it's been for a decade. It's nearly 14%. And what that tells me is that people have um, given up trying to make things better and they're actually just looking to leave. Um, and, you know, with a lot of our members in the civil service, they can go and work in the private sector for quite a lot more money and sometimes um, actually being, being treated um, uh, with a lot more value um, as well, um, oddly. Um, uh, so it's a, that, to me, is the real warning sign that we've got, that people, obviously we've got widespread um, industrial um, uh, unrest and disputes, and that's obviously a real indicator that there's something terribly, uh, terribly wrong. But what I would say about industrial action is at least p- people are still there and they're trying to make a difference. They're, they are still, by taking that action, they're still hopeful that they can make a difference and they can make a change. Once people are leaving, they've just given up all hope. And I would say that really the government do need to, to look at the figures, look at recruitment and retention, look at how many people are leaving public service. Um, and they need to stem that flow before it gets any worse because you can't get people back when they've left. Mm. Amy, thank you very much. Really generous with the time. I know you're at Heathrow Airport. Go through security, go and get checked in. And again, thanks for your time, Amy Leversage, oh, the Assistant much. General Secretary at the FDA Trade Union. Really appreciate it. Some lines crossing now as well. The response from the Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, saying that he accepts Dominic Raab's resignation with great sadness. That coming from the Prime Minister, Sunak, publishing a letter to the former Deputy Prime Minister, Dominic Raab, on the UK's government website. We also heard from the opposition Labour leader Keir Starmer on Dominic Raab's claims the inquiry was flawed. Starmer says that he doesn't know why the former Deputy Prime Minister quote, thinks anybody wants to hear about his whining about having to resign. Uh, he's also uh, been speaking about the NHS. He was on a visit at a hospital, I think, Ewan. Well, that is it for us today. If you like the programme, don't forget to subscribe or give it five stars so other people can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. This episode was produced by Chris Pitt. I'm Lizzie Burden. And I'm Tom McKenzie. And I'm Ewan Potts. We'll be back with more on Monday. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions. July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.